Can I ask you a question? What is it that you're afraid of? Several years ago, as I was driving through the Wichita area, and you know this was several years ago because we actually had uh, malls that people went to back then. Um, but we were driving by, if you're from Wichita, you'll know this area. It's the, the Town West Mall. Now, my, Tyler, my son, he was about maybe four or five. He wasn't very old at the time. But he loved the Town West Mall because his grandmother uh, would often take him to ride the merry-go-round there inside of the Town West Mall. So he was a big fan. Now, if you know me, I've never been a fan of the mall, the Town West or anywhere. I, it just wasn't my thing. And so every time we would drive by there on 235 and we would pass the Town West Mall, little Tyler riding in the back would say, Dad, can we go to the mall today? And I would say, no, son, not going to the mall today. And sometimes he would press me, well, why? Well, when do you think we can go to the mall? And I would defer and explain. But eventually he realized that the mall was just not someplace that Dad liked to go. He was undeterred, however, and one particular day we were walking, or walking, we were driving past the mall again, and he said, very determined, Dad, can we go to the mall today? And I said, no, son, we're not going to the mall today. And he thought about that for just a minute, and a little voice from the back of my truck said, Dad, someday you're going to have to face your fears. I'll never forget that. It is pretty good. He was a very uh, tenacious little four-year-old um, and determined. I, I ask you, though, what is it in your mind that you fear? There are lots of things that people are fearful of, uh, many different things. Some people are afraid of clowns. Some people see uh, uh, someone in a mask and makeup and a wig, and uh, they do not get happy and delightful thoughts. Actually, it really bothers them. In fact, there's kind of a scary movie made about this. Well, never mind. But it, anyway, some people are afraid of clowns. Maybe you're afraid of heights. Some people, um, you know, just getting on a stepladder or getting on a, a ladder to put up Christmas lights outside the house. Uh, there's just something that kind of overtakes you, and uh, you don't want any part of that. Some people are afraid of spiders. Just this image on your screen was not what you needed to see. <laughs> My wife is one of those. Uh, that little eight-legged uh, insect brings a lot of fear. Uh, I've seen her do a lot of dancing, and she's not a dancer uh, in the presence of a spider. <laughs> Any spider that enters our home will not last long if my dear wife uh, catches it. And maybe some people are afraid of needles. Going to the doctor's office, getting a shot, uh, getting a vaccination. Uh, some people, that petrifies them. Well, I'm not sure exactly what your fear is, but do you know what I fear the most? It's really, I mean, maybe a little bit of heights if I'm high enough up, but there's not too many things I fear nearly as much as I fear fear. Fear is, well... In the age of COVID-19, I'll say fear is deadlier than COVID-19, and it's more contagious. When you see people get afraid, they do things that are unwise, not thought out, and they do things that don't make sense. People who are afraid and panicked uh, will do things that they wouldn't normally do. When you see a group of people that get afraid, 
uh, it becomes a, a very scary situation, a mob mentality. In these days, as we think about um, the culture that we're living in and the, the pandemic that's going on around the world, I think there's something we need to remember, that we are told again and again and again in Scripture, do not be afraid, do not be anxious, do not worry. You know, think about every character in God's story at one time or another had to face their fears. Whether it was Abraham being called to leave his home country, whether it was Moses being called to lead a people that he did not want to lead, whether it was God's people being called to take uh, the land of Canaan, the city of Jericho, and many other places that they were too small, that they could not take on their own. Whether it was Daniel being called to the lion's den. I have no doubt that every man and woman of God, every person of faith, faces a moment where their faith is tested by their fear. The, the commands again and again and again throughout Scripture, the Old Testament and the New, say again and again and again to God's people of that day and God's people of today, do not be afraid. Fear not. Do not be anxious. Do not worry. And sometimes I think we those, think those of those as small commands, but they are not. Fear is spiritually deadly. It will wipe you out. It will erode your faith in God. That's no doubt in my mind why he told the people of this story again and again and again, do not be afraid. You think about most of the things that people are afraid of today have to do with something they can't see. Nobody can see the, the COVID-19 virus unless under ultra-high magnification. But this tiny little microbe that no one can see has driven people mad with fear. We've all read the stories. We've all seen the examples. Now, I know that's not everyone, but, but just to give you an example, that, that the admonition to do not be afraid still applies to us today. It's a big command in God's book. And so today, I want to remind you to remember to fear not. Hold on to the things that are true. And I realize that is easier said than done. If you're watching this stream and maybe you've lost your job, perhaps you've been furloughed, perhaps you uh, mistakenly opened your quarterly statement for your 401k or your Roth IRA, maybe you're afraid. It's easy to get fearful. It's much easier for me to say, fear not, than it is for all of us to fear not. It's why we've got to remember, when all the news is bad, when people are panicking and, and, and instantly everybody becomes an expert on medical issues and pandemics and, and, and become miniature epidemiologists, that at the root of what we do as Christ followers is rooted in faith, not in fear. Read with me for Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. These words should be familiar to you, but I want you to listen to them with new ears. Do not be anxious about anything except for COVID-19. No, that's not what it says. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts 
and your minds in Christ Jesus. The words are still true, just as they were for them, as they are for us today. Do not be anxious about anything. And when you find yourself growing in fear, it's time to go back to his word, to focus on his glory, to be reminded of what he's done, and to ease back into the roots of faith. Because the more you fear, the less faith you're going to have. And and that doesn't mean people of faith don't have fear. Uh, Fear is a natural human emotion. But we guard it. We don't let it control us. And instead, when we do grow anxious, or we worry, or we become fearful, what do we do? When, When things are beyond our control, we lift it up to the one who is absolutely in control. And that gives us peace. A peace that the the news can't explain, a a peace that the world doesn't have, a peace that, Paul says, passes all understanding. This morning, if you're watching this, and you've been a little fearful lately, let me call you back to three things that will help you to face your fears and conquer your fears instead of cowering. First, we have to remember who's with you. God promises his people again and again and again that he is with us. And and we've reviewed those scriptures before, so I'm not going to go through all of them. But but the most famous one probably is from the book of Joshua. Now, we remember that this is a story of transition in leadership for God's people. They've gone from Moses, who has led them for a generation, uh, whose voice they are familiar with, whose, whose leadership they know, to this young warrior named Joshua. And in that transition of leadership, God gives these instructions. Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do all according to the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not depart, do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. You see, see, God didn't say that there won't be times to be fearful, but if you remember his word, if you dwell on its promises, if you remember what God has done, you can be strong and courageous. I don't know how many of you Northsiders have used your your free dwell uh, subscription that you got in your email. But I hope you're taking time to marinate your mind in the promises and the truths of God's word. It brings peace to be reminded of what God has done. You say, well, he was with them then. You know, they could see the pillar of cloud. They could see the pillar of fire. We don't see that today. But but the promise is just as true. You see, he's always promised to be with those who fear him and who love him and who follow him. The question is not, will he be faithful? The question is not, will he be present? The question is, will we choose to be? I hope that we will choose to be strong and courageous. And we can do that because of who's with us. You probably know and remember Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10. And if you're following along in your Bibles, I hope that you will turn there. Isaiah chapter 41, 10 is a well-known scripture. But it bears repeating. 
The Lord God says, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will uphold you. I will help you with my righteous right hand. Isn't that beautiful? Be reminded that God's with us. And you don't have to be strong. You don't have to have it all figured out. You don't have to have all the answers. You simply have to put your faith and your hope and your trust in the one who does. That's beautiful. May we not forget that he's with us. May we not be overwhelmed. Think about this from a parenting perspective. If you have young children, young children often grow fearful and afraid when they feel alone. Uh, When there's a scary storm in the middle of the night and they're awakened by a clap of thunder and they wake up to an empty room, maybe a nightlight on, who do they cry out to? Mommy, Daddy. Why do they do that? Because they feel alone and when they're scared, what they want is to know someone is near. To know someone is with them. They may come into your room and they may wake you up or or, enter into the covers between you. They, They... are wanting to be with you because they instinctively know that they're not as afraid when someone is with them. Adults, whether we admit it or not, do the same. Adversity is best shared. There's something that bonds people together. I want you to think forward in the future. Someday when we're back together and we're meeting together and we're worshiping, can you just imagine how good that day's going to be? I mean, we're going to worship with some of the, 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 the strongest heart and soul and mind and strength. It's just going to be amazing. And I, and I dearly look forward to it. But you, can you even imagine beyond that, that we all have a story to share about the great pandemic of 2020. The story that we will share with our children who were there and and our grandchildren who maybe were not here yet and their children. This has been a story that we shared together. And as we share it together, there's something about being together that gives us hope. It gives us courage. Now, the same is true in our relationship with God. We take hope. Not because all of the circumstances are perfect, not because everything's worked out, not because they find a vaccine tomorrow, but because he's with us and because he's never left us and because he never will. That's beautiful. Consider the story of David, the young shepherd boy. Now, we know the story of David and Goliath, but I want to read it for you as we think about from 1 Samuel chapter 17. The story well-known, made famous by VBSs and Bible classes all over the world. 1 Samuel chapter 17, starting about in verse 41. I'm not going to go through the whole story, but we get to the battle scene. And here is what is given to us as a picture. The Philistine moved forward and came near to David and his shield-bearer in front of him. And when the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained him, for, for he was but a youth, ruddy and handsome in appearance. And the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you've come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said, Come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. And then David said to the Philistine, 
You come to me with a sword and spear and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down, cut off your head, and I will give the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves, not with sword and spear. For the battle is the Lord's. And he will give you into our hand. And here's what I love most about this story. I'm just imagining David filled with this confidence. Now he knows if it were just him and Goliath, he could not stand a chance. He wasn't trained. He didn't have the battle gear. He had nothing but, but some smooth stones and a sling, and that's it. But look at verse 48. When the Philistine arose and came near and drew to meet David, what did David do? Did he cower back? Did he hesitate? Did he stop? No. David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet the Philistine. I love that. You see, David ran toward the giant ahead because of the God who was behind. What fills us with courage, as David knew, was not us, not our power, not our knowledge, not our expertise but the God who's forever faithful. In him we trust. In him we have our hope. David knew he wasn't going to be delivered by the sword or the spear or the javelin. None of that mattered. He ran toward the giant because there was a bigger giant behind him. To all of you watching, may you run toward your fears. May you face them with courage. Not because the fears aren't real, not because the fears aren't small, but because the one who's behind you is greater than the one who's in front of you. And we not forget David's lesson. And this is all throughout the Psalms. When you picture, and he didn't write all of the Psalms, but David knew well this idea. Read Psalm 27, a Psalm that was written by David. What did he write? Psalm 27, verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Now, if the Lord is is not your light, if the Lord is not your salvation, if you say that the Lord is, but, but your hope is really in your 401k, if your hope is really in your job, if your hope is really in yourself, if your hope is in all of that, then you should be afraid. But if your hope, if your stronghold, if your salvation, if your light is in the Lord God Almighty, whom shall you fear? Or what shall you fear? If the Lord is the stronghold of your life, what have you got to be afraid of? We have every reason in the world to hope. Not because of who we are, but because of who God has shown himself to be time and time and time again. Do you wonder what David was thinking as this small Israelite shepherd ran toward him? Do you, in that moment, imagine that he asked himself, who is this kid? 
Do you think he smirked as he thought, who is the God that he served? Well, I'll tell you, it hit him. It really sunk in to Goliath that day. He really got the point that David served a mighty God. And because he did, he didn't fear a loudmouth giant or any others. He had no reason to be afraid because the Lord was his light and his stronghold and his salvation. My question is, what about you? Next, the best thing that we can remember besides remembering who's with us is remembering who is within us. In the New Testament, Paul writing to Timothy, uh, speaking in, uh, as part of uh, the church, he writes this, For God, this is chapter 1, verse 7 of Second Timothy, For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power. And love and self-control. You see, God is not only with you, but through Christ Jesus, when you're immersed into Christ, not only do you receive the forgiveness of sins, but you get this beautiful gift of a person, the Holy Spirit, who dwells within you. And David said, or Peter said that that promise is for those of that day, but he also said it was for the, all those who were far off. You and I here today, that the promise of the Holy Spirit dwelling within us through Christ Jesus is a powerful promise. Last Sunday, we celebrated the resurrection. We really do that every Sunday. But as we think about, the scriptures say it was the Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead. If the Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead, the Spirit who brought Jesus out of that tomb is strong enough to do that, don't you believe that he's strong enough to handle what concerns you today? Don't you believe that he's mighty enough to conquer your fears and the worries and the anxieties of your heart? It's a beautiful promise. He's not a spirit of fear. He's a spirit of power and love and self-control. When you see God's people doing God's work, being the light in the midst of darkness, being courage in the face of fear, being hope in the midst of despair, where does that come from? Does that come from us? No. It comes from the one who's within us. And the fruit of him who lives us, of course, we know from Galatians, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. See, we're not managed by our fears. They don't control us. Oh, we may have concerns. We may wonder what the future will bring. But there's one who dwells within us, who's full of power and love and helps us to be self-controlled. I just think what happens. Look at the examples from Scripture of what happens when people are filled with this kind of spirit. Turn to Acts chapter 4. A wonderful story in the early church, and one of my favorites, a story about two guys that you know named Peter and John. In Acts chapter 4, they are called to account. They are called before the Sanhedrin, and here's how Luke, the good doctor, describes this account. On the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem. With Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander, all were who of the priestly family, And when they had set them in the midst, they inquired of Peter and John, by what power or by what name did you do this? And Peter, 
filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, then let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, and by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone has become the cornerstone, and there is salvation found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Um, Peter preached what would we in the preaching business call a stem winder. I think he'd had enough. I think he was filled with boldness. I think he was absolutely zero fear. I think he was resolute and committed to what God had called him to. He had seen, and certainly since the resurrection and since Jesus had appeared to so many witnesses, he was filled with confidence and power and self-control and love. And that came from the Spirit who resided within him. Now look at this, verse 13. When they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, and they were astonished, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. Peter and John were bold not because of who they were, but because of who was within them. And that same spirit that gave them in the early church such great boldness inhabits us today who are in Christ. Those who have been immersed for the forgiveness of our sins have received the same gift of the same Holy Spirit who dwells within us. And so we should be filled with the same great boldness, the same power, the same love, the same self-control, the same courage. He provides that. Peter and John knew not only was God with them, but the Holy Spirit was within them And they absolutely also knew where they were going. And we need to remember that too. John chapter 14. John, the disciple whom Jesus loved, records this. Jesus saying these words. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so... Would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. And I will take you to myself, that where I am, you may also be. And you know the way to where I am going. Now Thomas, here's Thomas again. He says to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We grow fearful when we get too comfortable at home. And our home begins to get disturbed. Our home begins to get inundated. I use this example. Imagine you and your family decide to go camping in the backyard and you set up this huge tent and you load your sleeping bags in. Maybe you drag a power cord out there and you can still reach the Wi-Fi and that tent is set up and you've got all the comforts of home right there in the backyard. 
and you're set up for a beautiful evening. It's a, it's a wonderful evening with your family and you're reading together and laughing together and sharing together in the middle of that tent. It's a pretty good place to be. Come dark, darkness, you decide to tuck the family in. Everybody gets in their sleeping bags, gets warm and cozy and nestles in for a night of rest. But in the middle of the night comes a ferocious, terrible storm, one that you didn't predict, one that you didn't see coming. It begins to thunder, begins to light, uh, lightning streak across the sky. The rain comes gently at first, but then harsher. It's pretty soon it's like a, a, a fire hose just dumping down all over your tent. Then comes the hail, first small pitter-patter, and then it begins to tear holes in the side of your tent. And as your tent becomes flooded with the water and the hailstones and, and, and you, you're just overwhelmed by the fury and the storm, what do you do in that moment as you and your family are are all panicked and afraid and wet and scared. What do you do? Most reasonable people would, would be exiting the tent, heading toward home. Just, just right across the way there, uh, just across the backyard. Go in where it's secure and stable, where you can stay dry, where you can have courage, where you can have hope. You head to the house. You see, if you're real secure in the tent, if you like the tent pretty well, (laughs) when the tent becomes destroyed, when the tent is inundated by the fury, it's easy to become fearful. But when you know where home is, you have a much higher, better, more lasting sense of peace. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door. And I can't feel at home in this world anymore. That old hymn still rings true. Yes, we need to not forget who's with us. We need to remember who is within us. But even more than that, need to remember where we're headed. This world is not our home. Heaven is. And it's a prepared place, as Jesus said. It's for a prepared people. Maybe you're asking the question, well, how do we know the way? Well, the answer is still the same. It's Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And there's no way to home except through him. And if you don't know Christ, if you haven't put Christ on in baptism, I hope you'll leave a message in the comments. I hope you'll send an office an email. Send us some contact information. We'd be happy, even in the midst of the pandemic, to bring you in out of the storm, to immerse you into Christ, to give you the hope of not just having one with you, but the promise of having one within you. As we close this morning, may we remember who's with us, And we remember who's within us. And may we not forget where we're headed. May God bless you. May we keep him at the center so that we may not fear.